Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
morning. I'm Susan Willem, a member of the Epworth Congregation, and I'm reading the Gospel Scripture this morning. It comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, gasping for breath. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloths lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was the gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the Master, and she told them everything he said to her.
Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At the age of 22, just having graduated from Princeton, Suleika Jawood was living abroad in Paris, working toward her dream job of being a, a journalist, maybe even a war correspondent. Her life was ahead of her, full of possibility, but she had this nagging issue. She found herself weak and winded, just walking a few blocks or up a flight of stairs. An itchy rash that had started her senior year in college never seemed to go away, only getting worse and worse. She figured that it was just because she was burning the candle at both ends and needed to get more sleep, maybe pay more attention to healthy eating. After a weekend trip to Amsterdam, though, she collapsed. And this led to a stay in a Paris hospital, followed by an emergency flight home to New York. In the hospital in New York, she was diagnosed with leukemia and given a 35% chance of survival at age 22. At that point, Jaoud's work switched from her vocation and her life's dream and became laser-focused on surviving. Four years later, after a successful bone marrow transplant and countless rounds of chemo and radiation and weeks and months on end in the hospital, she was cancer-free. You'd think this would be a celebration, right? Her own personal resurrection story. But it was at that point that Chawood said, the hardest part of my cancer journey began when the cancer was gone. That heroic journey we watch play out on Instagram or see in the movies, it's a myth. And it isn't just untrue, it's dangerous because it erases the very real challenges of recovery. Today is Easter, the pinnacle day of our faith, the day on which we move from the kingdom of the dead to the kingdom of the living. We celebrate resurrection, new life conquering death. But as Jawood has testified to, to move from the kingdom of the ill or the fearful or the dead to the kingdom of the living is the hardest part of the journey. One of my favorite characters to lift up on Easter is Mary because she shows us how to re-enter the kingdom of the living. We meet her in the scripture today as she has come early in the morning to the tomb. And she has found the stone rolled away. She runs to Peter and the beloved disciple and says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Peter and the beloved disciple take off running toward the tomb. The beloved disciple gets there first and looks in, peers in, and sees the wrappings that had been around Jesus' body lying there. 
And then Peter arrives and enters the tomb himself. And then the first disciple follows him in. And in the tomb, they both see that the linen wrappings are there. And they see that the cloth that had been around Jesus's head is rolled up and put off to the side. Then the scripture tells us that while the beloved disciple saw and believed, as of yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Why does the scripture say that the beloved disciple saw and believed, then immediately say that they didn't understand? What was it that the beloved disciple believed if it wasn't that Jesus had risen from the dead? When Peter and the beloved disciples saw the empty tomb, that's all they saw. So what the beloved disciple believed was just that, that Jesus wasn't there. The beloved disciple believed that Jesus's body was gone. It doesn't even seem like Peter was able to go that far. Rather, receiving the sight of the wrappings and the cloths as puzzlement, without answer, as of yet, what had happened to Jesus. Peter was not even really believing that Jesus wasn't there, thinking maybe he was off to the side somewhere, somewhere close. Peter seems to be expecting that there was some explanation for this, or that they would come across Jesus's body soon. And then the focus turns back to Mary. We find her weeping outside the tomb. Presumably, Peter and the other disciple have already walked away. In her grief, Mary looks inside the tomb, and she sees two angels sitting where Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the foot. Woman, why are you weeping? They say to her. They have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him, she says through tears. And then turning, she sees Jesus standing there, but she doesn't recognize him. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Jesus asks her. Maybe this person is the gardener, Mary thinks. So she says, sir, if you have moved the one who was in the tomb and laid him elsewhere, let me know where, and I'll take him away. And then Jesus speaks one word to her, her name, Mary, Jesus says. And in hearing her name spoken by the one who gives life and is life, Mary herself is pulled into the new land of the living. She opens her heart and exclaims, Teacher! And she sees Jesus for who he is, though he is not the same as he was. Throughout Lent, we've been focusing in on the events of Jesus' passion and his path from the cheering crowds that greeted him in Jerusalem to the cross just one week later. We've zoomed in on the risks he took to teach us about love and justice, service and humility, and reconciliation. We've thought about the risks that each of us is being asked to take as we walk with Jesus. 
It's been a long and arduous journey, culminating just a few days ago with the lowest points of Jesus's betrayal and brutal death. And now as we come to this morning, we're being asked to risk again. Today, we are being asked to risk joy. As Suleika Jaoud has said, learning to live again was the hardest part of her cancer journey. When she was finally better, Jaoud said she missed the ecosystem of the hospital, its orderliness and its routines. Everyone there was broken, she said. And in that common brokenness, there was comfort. When she was in the hospital, she knew her only job was survival. I wonder if this is a little like where Peter and the beloved disciple were living at that moment when they came to the empty tomb, when they weren't able to really see what had happened. They were still among the broken, just trying to survive. They were trying to not let any more hurt in. But Jesus calls us to do more than just survive. He calls us to live, to live with fullness, to live with hope, to live with love, and ultimately to live with joy. To risk living with joy is perhaps the hardest thing we have been asked to risk. Think of the things we've been asked to risk during Lent, to risk temptation, to risk rejection, to risk for justice. Well, these things are not easy. They take courage, but if you fail, the attempt has valor and meaning and purpose, but to risk joy takes courage and something else even. When we are focused on surviving, there is a way in which we have to barricade our hearts. To keep the body going, the emotions that come with the loss of a previous way of life or the feelings of betrayal at being sick or harmed have to be put aside. These emotions take energy to acknowledge and to process, and there is a sense that the energy cannot be spared. But the truth is that we will never really live again if we leave the barricades up. Though the barricades may protect our spirits and certainly are meant to keep our bodies from breaking, they will never allow our spirits to be freed and to experience true resurrection. To risk joy is to lay wide open that most vulnerable part of ourselves, that part that is protected and guarded in times when we are just surviving. To risk joy is to open our hearts to true connection. It is to leave the land of the ill and the sick where we are just surviving and truly enter the land of the living. In trying to rejoin the land of the living, Jawood talked about the old ways that kept trying to pull her back. She says, and then there were the invisible psychological imprints my illness had left behind. The fear of relapse, the unprocessed grief, the demons of PTSD that descended upon me for days, sometimes even weeks. As we prepare 
to come out of more than a year of lockdowns and restrictions and illness and lack of connection and fear of an invisible virus and even death, we know well the psychological imprints the virus can leave behind. And the truth is we all live with unprocessed grief, whether it be from a year of living through a pandemic or from childhood pain or an inexplicable loss or other kinds of trauma. In the resurrection, Jesus shows us how to process and transcend these things. Not that we would ignore them and say they don't matter, but that we would be able to see them with new eyes and to not hold on to them. In the resurrection, Jesus calls our names and invites us to be transformed with him. Do not hold on to me, Jesus says to Mary. The reality is that the post-resurrection Jesus and the post-resurrection Mary and the post-resurrection us are not the same as the pre-resurrection us. If we try to recreate some previous reality, some childlike orientation, some pre-pandemic state, we will stay in the land of the sick. Things have changed. We have changed. In the resurrection, the Jesus whom Mary and the disciples had known has changed, transformed. If they were going to be able to accept the new reality, they had to let go of the old. Do not hold on to me, Jesus says to Mary. In struggling to be well, to truly inhabit the land of the living, Suleika Jawu decided to take a 15,000-mile road trip, visiting people she had never met in person but who had reached out to her while she was sick. During her illness, she had started a blog that got picked up by the New York Times and turned into a column called Life Interrupted. Its popularity was immediate. And it connected with the stories of cancer patients and survivors, families who had accompanied a loved one on that journey, and many others who had experienced their own lives being interrupted. These persons included a survivalist from Montana, a teacher in California whose son had committed suicide, and a death row inmate in Texas. As she Prepared to embark on her journey, many told Suleika Jawood that she was crazy and taking a big risk to visit people she'd never actually met. But she set off, dismantling the barricades around her own heart, seeking correct connection and a post-resurrection life. The good news is that Jawood found not just life, but true wellness. She found an abundance and gratitude not even possible and accessible to her before her illness. But she had to risk joy to get there. As we begin to come out of this pandemic, how are we willing to risk joy? How are we willing to risk to truly live? 
Let us not forget that there have been blessings. Life always brings us blessings, even in the midst of the most dire circumstances. Our sufferings and our blessings have changed us. The good news for us this morning is that there is life after illness. There is even life after death. And through it all, our God has been with us, showing us the way to true life, to true wellness, to joy. May the God of resurrection, manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, be real to you in connection, in abundance, and in joy this Easter and always. Amen.
podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.